every Sunday morning when I walk up here, uh, Dave and I have this little ear flicking game going on. And uh, I try to be somewhat stealth-like as I come up here, making him think that, you know, I'm really concentrating on what I'm about to say up here. But in all reality, I'm trying to navigate myself into position to get his ear. And uh, every, every Sunday, he's got the, he knows. You know, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> hey, guys, uh, this week we're going to be starting a study in the book of Joshua. Uh, it's the sixth book in the Old Testament. It's right after Deuteronomy, the five books of Moses, uh, the Pentateuch, whatnot. Uh, so if, if you will, uh, turn with me to Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. We're going to read that. And uh, then we're going to kind of lay some groundwork because we're going to be in uh, Joshua quite a while, 24 chapters. Uh, probably going to take a few weeks. And uh, to your benefit, it's going to take a few weeks. And uh, so we're going to have to do some groundwork because uh, we're going to read these first couple of verses here and uh, we're going to have to try to figure out um, how we got to this point, okay? And who these people are that we're talking about. Now most of us, because we've been through the study in Exodus, you know, we finished it a, a couple months back or so, or maybe three months, four months back, uh, we're very familiar with Moses and him leading the children of Israel uh, out of Exodus, right? You guys remember that? We've done a, an extensive study through the book of Exodus. We, we tried to cover uh, every verse in some way, shape, or, or form. We navigated through that. So we got an idea. We know who Moses is. But all of a sudden we're transitioning uh, out of Deuteronomy into the book of Joshua and we're transitioning from one leader, one great leader, to the next great leader. And so the very uh, first two verses in Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, we're going to read that, we're going to pray, and then we're going to have to open up some scripture because we've got to find our way here, okay? Everybody understands what we're doing? So we... we we're not going to get too deep in these first five, six verses because we've got to lay this groundwork. All this foundation has got to be laid. But there's a lot in the foundation that's going to benefit you as a hearer this morning if you're willing to look, see, perceive, and take it into your heart, right? So let's, let's open this up, Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. And it says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord... The Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aide, some translations will render that Moses' servant or Moses' minister. Moses, my servant, is dead. This is God speaking to Joshua. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. So let's pray as we start this journey together this morning, okay? okay? Father, in Jesus' name, we ask you to speak to us as your children. As we open your word, we want to understand, we want to see you uh, clearly. We want to leave here having been challenged and, and having uh, 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 been influenced by your spirit and by your word. I just pray, Lord, that every heart would be postured in such a fashion 
that they're open and receptive to hearing what you have to say this morning. And Lord, if we feel in our hearts that there's no application in our lives at this moment, may we take what is shared this morning, uh, store it away, and when the time comes for application, may we then unpack it at that moment and make application in our lives, for your word accomplishes its purpose. It will not return to us void, but it will accomplish what it is set out to accomplish. So if we have to store it up, let us just store it up and wait for that moment. Father, I bless my brothers and sisters, each one of them, encourage them. These things we ask in the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Okay, let's, uh, let's uh, turn. We're going to turn. And listen, I'm not going to have you guys jumping all over the scripture with me this morning. If you'd like, you can. You can jump around with me. The scripture will be on, on the uh, monitors, on the displays up here. But you, you're more than welcome to follow along with me uh, in whatever uh, form of, uh, uh, whether the, the open book, whether a, a tablet, whether your phone. You can follow along with me as well. Cross-reference what I'm saying. Whatever translation you're using, feel free to do that. If nothing else, read along with us on the displays up here. And when you get home, Open this thing up, man. Take some notes and, and, and see if what Brother Trent is saying to you is jiving with the scriptures. Okay? We'll do that, right? You guys, I, I told the covenant class uh, this morning, hey, man, follow the leadership of the church as long as they're following Jesus. But the moment they stop following Jesus, man, it, it's time man, to reassess some things. So I'm saying to you, man, hold Trent's feet to the fire, right? Check out the scripture. Check out the scripture. Okay, listen. So we have, we have this cat, Joshua, that God is speaking to and has uh, uh, made this statement to him that Moses has died. The question right off the bat is, well, who is Joshua? And I need you guys to understand who Joshua is before we get into the book of Joshua. Okay? So we're going we're to break this down. We're going to open this up, and I want to share some things with you. Numbers... Numbers chapter 13, I know some of you are thinking numbers, what, what's the number Trent? Numbers chapter 13 verses 1 and 3 and this is what's happening. Moses is about, he's been given the word, uh, direction from the Lord. Hey, take one individual from each of the 12 tribes of, of Israel and send them as a scout or a spy into the land and let them scout out the land, the promised land. Send them over there, they're going to be there for 40 days. So choose a man from each of the tribes to send as a spy into the land to assess the conditions, to see whether or not what God has said is true, because it is true, the land flowing with milk and honey. So this is what the scripture says. The Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites from each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent out from the uh, desert of Paran, all, them, uh, uh, all of them were leaders of the Israelites. All right. So he chooses these 12 guys. In Numbers chapter 13, verse 6, it says, from the tribe of Judah. Now we know who, who eventually comes from the tribe of Judah, right? The snake crusher, that being Jesus. But at this moment, the individual that, that is uh, uh, extracted from the tribe of Judah and utilized as a spy is a young man named Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. 
All right? This young man named Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. And then verse 8, there's another guy that is selected from the tribe of Ephraim, and his name is Hoshea, the son of Nun. Numbers 13, 8. Now listen to this, because this is going to kind of give us a little bit of a, a look into the relationship dynamic between Moses and Hoshea, whose name would be changed to Joshua. Okay? These are the names of the men Moses sent to explore the land. Now there's a list. You can go back and read all of them, but we're concentrating on these two. Now Moses gave Hoshea, the son of Nun, the name Joshua. Now, within Jewish culture, and it's just being established, right? Jewish culture is just being established upon this exodus out of Egypt and whatnot. But within Jewish culture, it is the responsibility of the father to name the son. Remember, we've done the story about Zechariah and Elizabeth. Remember that? And, uh, and it, it was the authority of, of Zechariah in which the name was fortified. But God was the one who gave the name. So what ends up happening is his father names him Hoshea, which means salvation. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, Moses identifies this young man and changes his name to Joshua. Now this is a right betrothed to the father. It speaks to the intimate relationship that Moses would have with Hoshea that his father would allow him to usurp the traditions to usurp his own authority to rename his son. Now, can you imagine? Can you imagine the relationship you would have to have that if you're in that hospital room and you name your son Kellen, and all of a sudden someone else walks in there and says, Kellen, looks at Sammy, your father, and says, it's Jack from now on. And Sammy says, Jack it is. Now, can you imagine the dynamic, even the relationship that none, and that's the father of Hoshea, would have with Moses that Moses could do such a thing? Now, when he changes his name from Hoshea, which means salvation or redeemer, he changes it to Joshua, and it means the Lord is salvation. The Lord. So he, he swings, the pendulum swings where the concentration isn't upon Hoshea, who is the salvation uh, element or the agent, but the Lord is salvation, okay? Now there, there's, a, there's a couple of things. Now I don't know if you guys know this or not, so I'm going to go ahead and give it to you. Okay, that way when you're in those venues where people are trying to challenge you about why things are the way they are, you can go ahead and give them an answer, okay? In the Hebrew language... There is no J. We know this, right? No J. Now you know it. You're supposed to say, yes, I know it now. In the Greek language, there is no J. Okay? In the Greek language, there is no J. The name for Joshua in the Hebrew would be Yeshua or Yoshua. It is the exact same name that is given to Jesus. I don't know if you guys saw the little silhouette on the imagery where you see Joshua. Do you see the silhouette, the imagery of, or the shadow of Jesus? So what, what we basically have here is Yeshua is the Hebrew name, and in its English transliteration, it is Joshua. The J was added to the English language, I think, in 1524. Prior to that, there was no J. So that's how we get is an Anglo uh, transliteration uh, of the name Yeshua. So it's called Joshua. Now, in the Greek, there is no J as well. So the Greek name for Yeshua or Yoshua would, would be the name Lesus, right? 
That's Greek. Lesus is the transliteration of the Hebrew name Yoshua or Yeshua. It's Lesus. Well, when you take the Greek and you translate it into English, Lesus is translated with the J, Jesus. Are you with me? Ever, no one's fallen asleep yet. All right, we're in English. I know you're thinking, man, let's get out of class. I've come to hear the scripture. I didn't hear, I didn't want to hear some lecture about this language or that language. I want you to know when someone comes to you and say, why do y'all even call him Jesus? There wasn't even a J until 1524. You can say, yeah, but hey, in the Greek, it's Lesus, right? And transliterated into the Anglo, into the English, it's Jesus. That's where we get it. That's where we get it. That's all free. That's all free. So what ends up happening is he sends these 12 spies into the land. And the 12 spies go there for 40 days. Listen, Numbers 13, 26 through 33. We're going to read, man, this morning. They came back to Moses. These are the 12 spies. They've been there for 40 days. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community of Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. Listen to what they say. We went into the land to which you sent us. God sent them, really, right? And it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful. And the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Gev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, all the Tites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. They're already establishing a cause for not being faithful to God. Man, the adversaries, the opposition is enormous in size and number and whatnot. You, you feel this, this building of an excuse, right? Then Caleb, remember Caleb, silenced the people. Now, I don't know how this happened. All these people, sometimes, sometimes we need a little bit of Caleb's spirit in us in the sense that when we're hearing all of this jargon and negativity and uh, things that oppose what God has said to us, sometimes we need to just silence the voice of the opposition, now, very few of us have the intestinal fortitude to look at someone who's raining down insults upon the character and faithfulness of God to simply look at them and say, I've heard enough. But I'm telling you, if you're able, through God's help, to conjure up, muster up the confidence to speak on behalf of God, that individual will not be so quick to rain on the character and the purpose of God in your life moving forward. Because you know why? They know you don't have an ear to hear it. People will entertain people with nonsense when they know the people they're entertaining has an ear for nonsense. You ever wonder why people gossip to you? Do you ever ask yourself, why do I all of a sudden get flooded with gossip? Maybe they know. You invite it. You hear it. I had an individual who just said to me over the last couple of days, a couple parties involved, this person would never say anything about that person to you, Trent. And I said, I know they wouldn't because I'm telling you, the first time they did, it would last about a half a millisecond. 
because I would have none of it. They know it and have never once said anything to me in a negative fashion regarding this other party. And so Caleb speaks up, silences the people, and he says, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. We can do it, man. Right? But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report. Hmm about the land that they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. And then all of a sudden, because God was wanting them to go into this promised land and to take possession of what he had already granted, they revolt. They revolt against Moses. They revolt or rebel against Aaron. They even revolt and rebel against Caleb and Joshua, Hoshea, right? They revolt against all of them simply because these four were willing to carry out what God had already instructed them to do. And they rise up against them. And ultimately what it is, is they're rising up against God. And then what, this is what the scripture says. It says, That night all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. <laughs> all the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in the wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to be let, or let us fall by the sword? Our wives and our children. Listen to this. Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. That's what they say. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? Ugh. And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Wow. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly, gathered there, Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of uh, Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. Now catch this. Catch what he says right here. If the Lord is pleased with us, that's the caveat. Let that sink into your mind and heart. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. And you know what they do? They reject what they had said. The caveat is this, is this. If the Lord is pleased with us, that is the caveat. The people who are already in rebellion do not have the confidence to go over into the promised land and to take the possession that God had given them with them. Why is that? Because they knew the Lord wasn't pleased with them. And you and I, it is difficult for us in our lives to walk in confidence with strength, with resolve, when we're not sure that our ways are pleasing to the Lord. You show me a cat that is confident in moving forward with God, I'll show you an individual who knows his ways are pleasing to God. 
But when we're soft-stepping everything and we're filling things out, the majority of the time, it's because our confidence has been wounded by our disobedience and our lack of interest and investment in the things of God. You know this, right? Jay, you know this. People reject it. They reject it. Then the Lord has to rise up because they're ready to stone them. And the Lord rises up. And this is the Lord's response. I know we're reading something. You've got to get this. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, how long will these, this wicked community grumble against me? You notice that? Against God. Because even the grumbling against Moses and Aaron and Caleb and Joshua, the people that God had chosen for them to lead, the rebellion against them, God identified as a rebellion against him. They were grumbling against Moses and them. And God says, how long will this, this wicked community grumble against me? You notice that? I have heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites. <laughs> you see how he distinguishes them? There's grumbling Israelites. And then there's some that aren't, right? He identifies the grumbling Israelites. So tell them as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I, would, I will do to you the very thing I heard you say. Ooh. In this wilderness, your bodies will fall. And he says, every one of you, 20 years old or more, who was counted in the census, who has grumbled against me, not one of you will enter the land I swore with an uplifted hand to make your home, except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. As for your children that you said would be taken as plunder, you remember this? They said, man, our kids, our wives are going to be taken as plunder. He says, for those, those individuals, I will, bring them into the, I will bring them in to enjoy the land you have rejected. They'll get what you wouldn't, wasn't willing to possess. Out of fear for them, I'm not going to hold it against them, your fear. Praise God that my father's fear, my mother's fear, whatever their apprehension was against God, God didn't hold it against me. You know what I'm talking about, Gus? If my father rejects him, yet God still extends himself to me without holding me accountable for the sins of my father in that sense. It was still my choice. All right, let's, let's look at this. He says, but as for you, your bodies will fall in this wilderness. Your children will be shepherds here for 40 years. 40 years suffering for your unfaithfulness. Mm. until the last of your bodies lies in the wilderness. For 40 years, one year for each of the 40 days you explore the land, you will suffer for your sins and know what it is like to have me against you. Oh, man, who wants God against them? Mm. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will surely do these things to this whole wicked community which is banded together against me. They will meet their end in this wilderness. Here they will die. So the men... Moses had sent to explore the land who returned and made the whole community grumble against him by spreading a bad report about it. These men who were responsible for spreading the bad report about the land were struck down and died of, of a plague before the Lord. Of the men who went to explore the land, only Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, survived. Now, this is what I want you to get. I want you to get this. The trip from Egypt to the promised land 
was 11 days. An 11-day trip that turned into a 40-year death march. And you say, what do you mean a 40-year death march, Trent? Let me explain this to you. Coming out of, G, uh, out of Egypt, most biblical historians assume that there was 2 million to 3 million, even as many as 4 million people coming out of Egypt. An entire generation of people, everyone above the age of 20, died in the wilderness. And if you, with a conservative estimate, would put that number around 1.25 million people over 40 years, that would mean that every day of that journey of 40 years, 85 funerals were happening per day amongst the people of Israel. You grab your calculator, you do the math, and you will see. So for 40 years, they were on a death march, a witness, the reality, death itself was a witness against them of what Paul later confirms in Romans, and that being this biblical principle, the wages of sin is death. Eighty-five funerals a day, man. For 40 years. None of these people were going in until the last one of that generation died. And when we read in Deuteronomy, Moses was included with that generation for he had struck the rock. He couldn't enter in. Guess who the last person recorded in Deuteronomy before the book of Joshua. Guess who the last person is recorded that dies. It is Moses. Now I'm telling you, man, I fall in love with these people. When I'm reading these stories, when I'm reading these, I just get, I just get so connected to them. I feel like I know them. I feel like, uh, I feel like they're, they're my neighbors, they're my friends. When we do the, the study of the book of David, and David dies at the end of it, I just want to weep. Like I've lost someone close to me. And here is Moses. In his old age, hadn't lost any strength at all, and his vision was still intact. Remember that? And you know what he knows? Me being alive is the only thing standing between them and the promised land. And he knows why. Because of his disobedience against God. Here's a heavy thought that you and I have got to consider, right? Heavy thought. What if we're standing between someone and God's promise for them? You mean just a barrier where we're, we're opposing them, where they can't make progress? No, you know what I mean, don't you? Where our lives, the decisions we make, the things that we say, creates a barrier. The idea that I'm stopping you from making progress in God should be an alarming reality to get our lives in a, in a, a spiritual equilibrium and balance. 
that we not, might not find ourselves ever agents of retardation in the development of other people's spiritual lives. And so even before Moses dies, the people of that generation who are not going to be allowed into the promised land, listen, 85 a day, listen, you come to the last day and if the number's held true, you're counting them down, are you not? When you realize, along with Moses, there's only a handful of you left. And then in Deuteronomy 34, 1a says this, listen, then Moses climbed Mount Nebo from the plains of the Moab to the top of Pisgah across from Jericho. Listen to this. There the Lord showed him the whole land from Gilead to Dan, all of Naphtali, the territory of Ephraim and Manasseh. He could literally see in to what we would know to be Jerusalem. You remember what the scripture says? His vision was intact. The whole region from the valley of Jericho, the city of, of Palms, as far as Zoar. Then the Lord said to him, this is the land I promised to know to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When I said, I will give it to your descendants, I have let you see it with your eyes. But you will not cross over into it. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab. As the Lord had said, he buried him in Moab, in the valley opposite Beth Beor. But to this day, no one knows where his grave is. Moses was 120 years old. Listen, when he died, yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. You know what that would imply? It wasn't a physical death in the sense that his body just gave out. What do you think Moses' response was? And you'll allow me some liberty, okay? Don't say Trent speaking and creating scripture. I'm just saying, if I were in that spot, and the people I loved were before me, and my eyes were cast upon the great cities, the land of promise, and the Lord said to me, Trent, I've let you see it, but you can't go in. You can't go in. So with strength in my body, my vision intact, at that moment, the option then becomes what? To live in this wilderness for the remainder of my days while my eyes gaze into the promised land? Or do you think Moses just said, let them in. <laughs> let them in. Let them in. And a man fully charged in his body and his vision, completely intact, dies. It doesn't even make medical sense, does it? A man who had been strengthened by God all of a sudden dies. And the scripture says the Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. And you know what the next verse says? The next verse I'm going to read to you. Listen. After the death of Moses, we're back to Joshua 1. After the death of Moses, a servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses is aid. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. Now we're just going to touch on a few things and we're going to close. We got a long time to work through this book, man. And it's some, it's some good stuff. 
So I don't want to deter you from coming back next week. But I want to touch on a couple things. I want you to take home with you in case you're not back. And this is this. When the scripture says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, this is one of the things I want you to understand. All of our kingdom work, Moses, the servant of the Lord, all of our kingdom work, your kingdom work, Mike Denzik, Brandy, Ed, your kingdom work, Jeremiah, your kingdom all of our kingdom work, all of our responsibility is just for a season. Do you not realize that everyone in this sanctuary, the reality, a hundred years from now, none of us will be here? You do realize this? And so the work that we're doing for the kingdom is seasonal at very best, and there's a time frame in which it's contained, and regardless of how great you are and how great your influence is, you too will breathe your last breath, Billy Graham, Charles Spurgeon, John Wesley, Billy Sunday, Trent Evans, Tim Bathers, Dwight Evans, Marky Mark. And then it says, And the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' his aid. <laughs> and I, I think of this young Joshua, Moses' aid. He's transitioning in, into the new leader. But he's learned how to lead by serving others, right? This is part of that kingdom work that's seasonal. You do realize that the very best you and I could do in the name of Jesus is to serve and love one another. Isn't that what Jesus says in the book of Matthew? He says, hey, you want to be great amongst everybody? Be the least? And no, Jesus says, hey, you want to be great? So I'm saying to you, the greatest work we can do in the kingdom while sharing the gospel is serve others. And, and Joshua was a minister, quote, an aide to Moses. And that's how he becomes great. I don't, want, I don't want anybody to say of, of Trent, and I'm not saying this, okay, so it's just an illustration. I don't want anybody to say of Trent the best thing he could do was preach. What a poor, poor legacy to leave. That, oh man, the best thing Trent could do was really talk about Jesus. Who wants that? But oh, that someone might say, Man, Trent served people. Trent loved people. Trent was an aide and a minister to others. He lifted up and encouraged others. Man, that, that, that in the kingdom, in the economy of God, is greatness. Right? That's what I want for you. That's what I want for you. Yeah. Then he says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then... You and all these people, I love this, get ready. In the, in the Hebrew, it's kum. Get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give you. You know what kum means? It means stand up on your feet. The implication is simple. They were not ready. Right? How do you get ready if you're already ready? 
Every husband knows this with their wife getting ready for church on Sunday mornings. No one goes in her and tells their wife, hey, get ready. And she says, well, I'm ready. And she's still getting dressed. And you're like, you're not ready. You're not ready. She's walking out the door, I'm ready. The whole time she's putting on this. And you're like, you ain't ready. You just want to look at your wife and say, cool. Right? But he says that. He says, on your feet, man. This is what God says. Get ready. Get on your feet. Look, some of you husbands know, don't you? I might have got you in trouble. <laughs> what he was saying was it's time to possess the possessions that I've given you. You know what I mean? I've already given you the land. I gave you the land 40 years ago. There, there's a difference in having possessions and possessing those possessions. We got any readers in here that love to read? Everybody should be raising your hand even if you're dishonest because we have the Bible, right? Right? So I'm going to give you another chance. Anybody in there love to read? All right, there you go. I feel better. Lord, forgive them. Right? It's like having a good book, a library of good books. You possess the books. They're on the shelf. They line the shelves, but you've never read them. You see what I'm saying? It's time to take possession of the possession, the content, the value. Man, it's time to, the spiritual book, it's time to take it off the, the shelf and open that thing up, man, and devour it. And that's what God is saying, man. The, the books of the promised land, the thing, man, it's time to get them off the shelf. And so we're, we're about to close. Hang with me. Hang with me. I had some of these people, I had seven people that were in the covenant class this morning. They were here at 9.30. Lord, may your grace fall on them, right? Bless them, encourage them. They've had a long morning. I warned them, you're double dipping this morning. It might not be pretty. Bless them. Listen to this. He says to him, no one will be able to stand. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Let, 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 let me go back. He says, I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses, your territory, listen to this, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great Euphrates, uh, the river Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the, in, in the west. He was saying, get ready, on your feet, coo, it's time to take this possession of the land. Now the land that he just described, the boundaries he, he describes goes all the way up into Turkey, all the way into Iraq, portions of it back into Egypt, literally what God had promised them what God had given them makes up about 300,000 square miles. At the highest point of Israel's existence, you know how much property, how much ground they occupied? 30,000 square miles. One-tenth of what God had promised them. One-tenth. Did God fail? He had promised them 300,000. They got 10 or, or 30,000, 10%. Did God somehow fail them? No. There's a caveat. There's a caveat here. And what is the caveat? I will give you every place where you set your foot. Guess where they didn't set their foot? In the other 300,000 acres. Now, this is good enough. 
God said, it's all yours. They're like, you know what I'm talking about, right? You can see it. Goldberg takes Saddam Hussein's property. Man, this looks good. I'll settle for this. God had desired to do so much more, and they had settled for so much more, so much less. And listen, if there's any lesson we can take from the Scripture sometimes, is that God desires to give us more than we have, possess more than we possess, if we have the confidence just to walk in. And I'm not talking about name it, claim it nonsense. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what God has given us, what God has designed for His purpose, what God has designed for His glory. He had designed and purposed to give them this for His glory, not for their glory. And they didn't take it. You and I need to take possession of the things God has given us for his glory. Right? Husbands, take hold of your marriages. God has given you this wife. Love her. Honor her. Treasure her. For his glory. Wives, God has given you your husband. Love him. Respect him. Honor him for God's glory. Not so someone would say to you, well, you're a good wife. And someone would say, man, man, that Carrie must love the Lord. <laughs> the way she loves Trent, only God knows it takes a miracle, right? Chelsea back her thing, I know what Carrie's going through. You know what I'm talking about, right? All right, let's, let's, let's read on through here. And we're going to close right here. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. And he says this, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Man, those words sound so familiar. A dirty, Jewish carpenter uttered those same words that have transcended time to his disciples that have now found a home in our hearts. And the reality of what God had said to Joshua and for the children of Israel, Jesus spoke, and it still resonates. But he said, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. What does that even mean as we close? Most people would hear that, and the question would be, well, how are you with Moses, right? How are you with Moses? If God's going to be with me like he was with Moses, the first question I need to answer is, what does that look like? But guess who didn't have to answer that question? Joshua. Do you know why? I'm going to tell you. That's what you pay me to do. Listen, Exodus 24, 12 and 13. How does he know how God was with Moses? 
The Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and stay here, and I will give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commands I have written for their instruction. Then Moses set out with Joshua, his aide, and Moses went up on the mountain to God. In Exodus 32, verse 15, so there Joshua, Joshua's on the mountain when the commandments are given. He sees it. He bears witness to the glory of God. And then in Exodus 32, 15 through 17, Moses turned and went down the mountain with the two tablets of the covenant of the law in his hands. They were inscribed on both sides, front and back. The tablets were the work of God. The writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. And when Joshua heard the noise of the people shouting, he said to Moses, there is sound of war in the camp. Why is that? He was so close with Moses as the descent down the mountain with the tablets of stone. He hears first the disobedience from the camp of the Israelites and literally turns to Moses and says to Moses in his company, having received from God, I hear war in the camp. Listen to this. Exodus 33 verse 11. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face. We've covered that. As one speaks to a friend, then Moses would return to the camp. But his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. <laughs> Somebody says, hey, Joshua, you saw how I was with Moses. You heard me speak to Moses. You, heard, you saw me do the miraculous. You seen me tear open that sea. And we're about to cross the Jordan. And as I was tearing open water for him, I'll tear open water for you. I'll do, and he was a witness of the conversations, the exchange. You think he wasn't in at 10 as God would speak to Moses face to face as a friend? You think he wasn't like this? You know what I'm talking about? What's the Lord saying? Shh, Moses, listen. And God was saying, I'll be like that to you. So we're opening this study in the book of Joshua. And this is what I want to ask you guys as we close. And I want you to get this because we're just starting. We're just starting. The book of Joshua really isn't about Joshua. You know this, right? The book of Joshua is really about God's story in the life of Joshua. It's always God's story. His life is telling God's story. That's why as you and I as brothers and sisters in Jesus, Jesus, Yeshua, Yoshia, the Lord is our salvation. Those of us who are in Jesus, we need to ask ourselves, what story is our lives telling? Are we like Joshua? Allowing God to tell his story through our lives? Or are we so fixated on our own story being heard and told? I would encourage you, my brothers and my sisters, in the faith in Jesus, let us, as brothers and sisters, concede to the greater story being told in our lives, understanding the short season in which we live it. The volume of the story and the reach of the story can go beyond these short years if we allow that story to be told by God.
and not press for our own story and let God tell his story. And you may have grandchildren one day, maybe even great-grandchildren, who will look back and say, tell me about grandma and grandpa and God's story in their life. Let me, let me hear that one again. Tell me God's story in grandpa's life and grandma's life. Yeah. My prayer for you today as we start this is that we would make this concession right off the bat as we begin to study God's story through Joshua. And I can tell you this, and you can go ahead and read way ahead. It is a wild and crazy story. And it's beautiful. Stand with me this morning. The Lord is good. Amen. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. All right. Father, in Jesus' name, what we want to do, Lord, is we want to open your word. We want to come, come alive to us. Man, we want, we, want, we want to feel the breath of your spirit. We want to sense the, the reality and the, the truth of your word. We want to transform us for this season, this small speck of time in, in, in which we breathe in and out and we live and exist. On a temporary basis, let us so transform us that when we transition into that eternal plane, that we say, as Ruthie said to her own son, oh, it's going to be beautiful. Why? Because we've not invested in the temporal. We've had eyes set on eternity. We've cast our lot with the king, with God. In Jesus, our Savior, Jesus, Yeshua, Yeshua, the Lord, is salvation. May that be his story demonstrated in and through us. So we bless you. We thank you for allowing us to open your word and be encouraged and challenged by it. May you continue to do this, Lord, as we navigate through this beautiful, beautiful book and record of you. And it's in the name of Jesus, Yeshua, that we ask these things. And the sons and daughters of God said, Amen. 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 God bless you.